What is up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And, and I'm. What, what, I just want to real, real quick. Yeah. Uh, you still have the two owls fucking up uh, behind you. They're still fucking each other behind you. In between shows, you could have taken one down or separated them. Or Listen, something. Peach, you do not know that the same people who watch our live show are also listening to our Stack podcast. So don't assume that there's a continuity there. Just to explain to everybody just listening to the I Stack podcast... There are two owls who may or may not be fucking behind me. It's unclear and nobody knows. All right? Okay. But I will say one of them has a very deep hole in the other stop one. Stop saying not. that. Please it's a, stop. It's a puppet. It's a puppet. So you can put your hand in it. That's what I'm saying. Oh. So where are you like a puppet, Pete? Let's talk about the stack. <laughs> There's a bunch of books that came oh. out. So many week. books. <laughs> so many books uh, for us to chat about. And some big books as well. Kicking it off with The Department of Truth, number one oh, from Image you Comics. you want to start with your favorite. Let's. I want to start with my favorite. There's also a ton of hype on this book, so I'm excited to chat about it. Uh, written by James Tynan IV, art by Martin Simmons. Um, James Tynan IV, as we talked about a lot on all of our podcasts, has been on a roll lately. And in particular, I think, like, this is not an insult, but Wind may be a little less so, even though I really enjoy that book. But wow, there's something about, you. like, Don't. Something is Killing the Children came out, and there was an insane amount of hype on it, and then it delivered. The Department right. of Truth, same sort of thing, like, such a clear title. You know what this book is on going in. And then it completely delivers in the first issue. I'm almost reticent to spoil it because it is one of those books in my mind. It feels like a Brian K. Vaughn book where you read it and you're like, yes. Okay. This last page, this got me. Oh my God. The last page though. Yes. That's the thing you said, you read it, you know what's going on. I did not. No. It took me a while to kind of piece it all together but man, by that last page, you are hyped. Yes. You are so hyped and ready for the next issue. It's unbelievable. But the art is really cool. It really fits the tone of what they're trying to do in such a great way. Yeah. And man, I, I, is the book good. I, I know we're bouncing around and not actually mentioning the plot here. And part of that is by That's design. That's how I like to because, talk. Well, I don't want to tell the people what the plot are because... I read the book, not actually knowing what it was, then read, went to Image Comics' website and looked at their blurb. It gives away too much. I didn't want to know any of that stuff going in. So, like, go in totally clean. Know that it is a thing. You could probably tell this from the title, but it's a thing about kind of conspiracy theories in the government. I think that's all you need to know. Don't spoil it, you that's fucking it. ass. That's all I'm going to say. And the art... The writing, everything, it feels to me, it feels like a vintage Vertigo book, you know, like a book that like yeah. would come out at the same time as Sandman and everything else where you'd be like, oh shit, this is going to change the industry. And now it's another in a line of amazing books from Image Comics, but yeah. it is great. And to your point, Martin Simmons' art, it feels a little, um, ah, who's the guy who did 30 Days of Night? Is it Ben Templesmith. Yes. So it feels a little like Ben Templesmith on the art, no, but it's different it enough. Um, James Titan is on fire here, and it is a book that feels insanely current. Like, insanely it's, current. 
It's really well done. It's just so good. I wonder if the people at Image are just high-fiving themselves. Like, (laughs) you're fucking killing it right now. Like, you can't touch us. Well, the thing that is, I think, so great about this book, and again, this is not spoilers, this is just kind of skirting what it's about, is that it is about our current moment in time and our current political moment in time, but it's fun to read at the same time. Like, it's still scary at points. It's oh, fun man. at points. There's good action. There's good adventure. There's good weirdness. Yeah. Um, great. Great book. Do not miss Really this great book. Don't miss it. Next up, another book that I'm going to say don't mix. Uh, Shang-Chi, number one from Marvel, yeah! written by Jean Luen Yang and art by Dyke Ruan. This is another one that I wasn't sure about going in, but as usual, Jean Luen Yang killed it. Uh, this is, we get Shang-Chi. Turns out he's part of a dynasty of five weapons. It's very similar on the surface to what happened with Iron Fist, where there were the seven immortal cities. Yeah. But it goes in a very different direction by the end. Super fun. Great last page. I'm 100% on board with the character. And it's a very different take on Shang-Chi. It's clearly calculated to have something that has a trade or multiple trades on the shelves by the time the movie hits. But you will not regret picking up this comic book. I'm so happy with the team behind this book. So happy for this new relaunch of Shang-Chi. One of my favorite characters as a kid. Um, Also get a little fing-fang-foom, which I was totally pumped to see. This is a great book, great art, fun storytelling. And it picks up and you think like, okay, but then you're like, it just does such a great job of unveiling the story in such a way that kind of like, is a little different than what we're used to, but still has all the action and stuff that you want. I, I'm very impressed with this book. I'm very excited to see how this is going to move forward. And also, this is, was the first Marvel book that I that I read with the uh, Brian Starfreeze. Mm-hmm. Um, Stel- Stelfreeze? Uh, Stelfreeze, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Stelfreeze, uh, tribute to Chadwick Boseman, and it's very fucking moving and an amazing art, and ah, oh, so powerful. And I'm so happy that Marvel is doing this. Man, they really went all out for that. I mean, just to talk about that for a moment, a lot of last week's books had the Chadwick Boseman tribute Rest to power. King. Uh, rest in power uh, branding on it. But this week, there's a whole testimonial from Ta-Nehisi Coates. Uh, there was the art, as you mentioned. Uh, and yeah, it's really powerful stuff. Yeah, it's it's really, it's really moving. Uh, but yeah, that's all said about Shang-Chi. One of the things that I love about it is uh, Yang does such a great job of sneaking humor in out of nowhere. It just sort of the the rhythm of his humor, it almost sneaks in from the side in a certain way where it's in the middle of an action sequence and suddenly there's a joke. And I it completely throws me in the right way where I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. This was a serious scene. What's going on? That's funny, that thing that you're doing. Uh, and it's it just makes it really fun to read, even as he's setting up these good characters, this good mythology. Uh, and getting back to the Iron Fist thing, it almost feels like a rejoinder to Iron Fist, which is very good, mind you, but to the whole conversation surrounding Iron Fist, the TV show, where people are like, dude, cast 
an Asian person, person of Asian descent, <laughs> as Iron Fist, or just do Shang-Chi, what are you doing? And yeah. this comic seals very specifically to be like, here you go. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes please. Uh, great stuff. Can't wait to read the second issue of that. Let's move on to one of our favorites here on the show, That Texas Blood, number four from Image Comics by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. We had Chris Condon on the live show a couple of weeks ago, and that was super fun to talk to him about this book. Uh, this issue, we're continuing the storyline of this brother who's come back to Texas. He's discovered some bad doings around his brother who was killed. Um And this is very much a middle-of-the-arc issue, but there's still such good character stuff here, and there's such a good emotionally-based character twist that happens as well. Uh, Every issue of this is great. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, the storytelling, the pacing, the art, it's really, really well done. It's very interesting. Uh, They do a great job issue to issue giving you more information on this bigger thing in such a cool way that it's just you're in and you want more and more and more. So they're, they're killing it on this book. The, uh, just the, the paneling, the, it's just really impressive package. Yeah. There's a great scene in here with our sheriff character. We haven't seen a lot of since the first issue where he's sitting down and dinner with his wife and his wife is talking to him and, his, if you haven't been reading the book, he has this verbal tick where he just says, well, and that's pretty much it all the time. And the way that the lettering plays out in particular, it reads so well as a scene where she's just so well. She, yeah, yes. Uh, where she's just kind of like needling him a little bit. And he's like, well, and she's like, well, <laughs> it's great. Just the rhythm of that scene is so good. And just those little character moments are so nice. Uh, definitely pick up this book. Yeah. Next one up, I'm very curious to get your take on this, Pete. Batman Three Jokers, number two from DC Comics, written oh, by Jeff man. Johns and Jason Fabuk. Uh, so this is continuing the storyline, as you can tell from the title of There Are Actually Three Jokers. There's the original Joker, uh, the criminal, uh, there's the comedian, uh, and there's the performer. I'm forgetting what the third one is. Whatever it is, he's dead this issue. The criminal, the comedian, and the clown. The clown. There we go. Uh, And the clown was killed by Red Hood last issue. There's serious repercussions for it this issue. I got to tell you, I am so stressed out reading this book. I... I, I can't quite explain it. Uh, like, I think it's just, it's Jeff John, Jason Fabuk's art is phenomenal, but the feeling and the tension that Jeff Johns is putting in this through the characters is everything that should have been present in Doomsday Clock, but wasn't, but is here. And it's very hard to read, but it feels like that is part of the point. W- what's your take on it? Yeah, that's the thing. It is very hard to read. And it's like, what sucks is it reopens a wound of we get Jason Todd again fucked up by the Joker in a way that's not cool and way out of bounds. And you have this hard conversation with Batman and Barbara, and it's like I'm reading this going, hey, Jeff Johns, like, what are you fucking doing to me over here, man? Like, well, I already lived this and had to live with this already, and then you're making us redo it. And it's it's very painful, and I'm just wondering wh- why. 
Why? Well, it's, it's interesting to pair this with Doom's Clock, uh, Doomsday Clock, I think, because Doomsday Clock, uh, for all its faults, was Jeff Johns' mission statement on what Alan Moore had to say through Watchmen, what Alan Moore had to say about superhero comics, and what he had to say about the universe. But certainly, at the very least, in this issue, particularly given the last page, feels like that this is... last page was awesome, though. Well, it's Jeff Johns's mission statement on Killing Joke, which versus Watchmen, which is not unimpeachable, but is still a masterpiece of the form, as we talked about at length on our Watchmen Watch podcast. Killing Joke has not aged well. Killing Joke. Well, ha- that's the that's also yeah. the thing is the Killing Joke. Had recently had a movie done that was awful, just garbage in a way that was unnecessary and very painful. And I went to the movie theater very excited about what I was going to see and got kicked in the nuts repeatedly. And now Jeff John's like, oh, guess what? I'm not done kicking you in the fucking nuts yet. Here's your problem. You got to stop going to 4D movie theaters and then you won't get kicked in the nuts repeatedly. Oh, man. You pay extra for that chair, right? 4D, man. That (laughs) shit is awful. Uh, Jason from Boots Art is I think 4D is the reason we're in this fucking (laughs) pandemic because they're spraying you in Mm -hmm. the seats and that's what had the COVID started. Oh, man. Pete, by the way, I love your podcast that you do on Alex Ross's network. It's very good. Uh, oh, Batman Three Jokers is also, I think, very well done. Makes me uncomfortable. I'm not quite sure where it's going, and I'm certainly nervous on the place it's going to leave the Joker and Batman in continuity when eventually things link up. Um, but it, it's a nicely put together package, I would say. You, you, it's too bad Justin's not here. He oh, yeah. He nice loves package. a tight little package. Uh, next up, Chew number three from Image Comics, written lettered by John Lehman, art and colors by Dan Boltwood. Uh, this is continuing the story of the Breaking Bad and the Chew universe as uh, Chew's sister goes darker and darker. Another just good, fun issue of this book. I'm really enjoying it a lot, and I'm enjoying revisiting the Chew universe uh, through oh, this title. Oh, see what you did there? Yes, I do. Uh, yeah, I agree. This is just a fun extension of something we already love. Uh, very interesting to kind of have these two kind of like sisters. Uh, I'm, it's very cool to see where this goes. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's just a great continuation of something and the art writing just, it feels spot on to what we love and it's just great. Yeah, this is, it took a little while. I I enjoyed the first two issues, but this is the first issue that really feels humor-wise on the same level as Chew, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, So I'm very happy about the series. Let's move on to one I'm sure we're going to agree on, X-Factor number 2 from Marvel, written by Leah Williams and art by Carlos Gomez. This is the second part of Ten of Swords. Um, I know I loved the first issue of this. I thought this was great. The second issue is a little more of a business issue as the team recovers from the uh, disaster that happened in Otherworld. Now they need to find ten swords to battle Apocalypse's evil children. That's what's going on. Here, though, they're dealing with the fact that Rockslide died, Apocalypse got killed, Richter almost got killed, uh, and what happens after that. And we once again get a realignment of how death works in the X-Men part of the universe that I thought was very smart and ups the stakes of everything that happens. I'm really enjoying this crossover. 
Pete, I'm sure you feel the same. Over to you. This fucking sucks, man. <laughs> this is such fucking bullshit. What the fuck is even happening? There is so much shit happening that it is just insane. There is too much to deal with. And then in between that, they're making us read these fucking briefing statements. Love whoever it. the fuck they are. The signed affidavit bullshit. I... I'm so happy that Charles Xavier finally lost his lollipop head. I'm very excited in that. Can we talk I'm about not, that moment? And I, know, I know you don't like this, but the very fact that everybody this entire time since House of X and Powers of Ten launched has been talking about, wait, the X-Men could just resurrect themselves, whatever they want. What does it matter if they die? The moment when... And this is a big spoiler for the issue, but they try to resurrect Rockslide, and it goes horribly wrong to the point where Xavier's helmet shorts out, and we get to see every other helmet short out. I screamed is probably too strong, but I definitely was like <gasps> gasped at that moment because it was like, this is all over. It turns out that's not exactly what's going on, but that the stakes are that high for this thing, I thought was great. Yeah, you said this thing because you don't even know what the fuck is going on. I know on. what's this going on. This shit is too confusing. And it's weird because it's like, okay, here's a shot of Xavier's helmet in a root bath overlooking something. And then, oh, here's a shot of Xavier's helmet in a root bath that's in space, in a root, root bath that's somewhere else under a sun and then underwater. Uh, this is the what? most... Ex- hold on. This is what is the happening most, in this book? This is the most excited I've been about the X-Men in decades. Congratulations. You should Thank you. read X-Men more. I think that, like, <laughs> it's just insanity stacked on insanity stacked on insanity. We have to deal with the first thing you did before we can move on. Like, we're barely dealing with the fact that the... All the X-Men said, hey, fuck you to the rest of the world. Okay, now you're on your own private island. You're fucking each other. Great. Like, then it's just one insane thing after another insane thing. And then this insane console that, like, oversees everything. It is just so much insanity. I keep hoping, like, all right, eventually this is going to calm down so we can catch up to all the madness. And it just stays on the gas pedal and I'm really having a hard time keeping up and dealing with it. I mean, I get, Maybe, I get what you're saying. I do think, though, that this crossover is more accessible than the stuff that has come before. I love the fact that, again, spoiler for the issue, uh, but Polaris is uh, some sort of seer. She's poor been given, Polaris is really falling apart here. She is falling apart uh, because she let down her team. She let down everybody, uh, but she has the information to where these 10 swords are going to be so that they can battle apocalypse as evil children. And I love the fact that she does this prophecy and the folks at Marvel know we're going to pick it apart. We're going to figure it out very quickly. So instead, at the end of the issue, they have Cypher being like, okay, here's what I think they're talking about in the prophecy. Here's the characters. They're going to go get swords. And some of them are going to be wrong, but I love the idea that they're sending us on a wrong path in some places while on the right path in others. Like, of course, Wolverine's going to have a sword. We already know Ileana is one of the people who has the sword. The Ileana part was great. Ah, it's great. So much fun. 
That's I am exciting. having a blast so far with the storyline, and I'm excited to see what happens. I next. would like to be enjoying it, but there's just too much madness going on with portals opening and closing, and then the White Queen's being mean. But is she? Uh, it's just, it's too much. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> well, time cough there, buddy. <laughs> no problem. What are you trying nope. to say? No, nothing. Nailbiter returns number five from Image <laughs> Comic Story and Art by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson. Uh, this is picking up the storyline. There's a contest going on in Buckaroo with a bunch of copycat serial killers, or are they? In this issue, there's a big twist. We find there's another nailbiter who looks exactly like the original nailbiter. Some big action goes down. Uh, we had Joshua Williamson on the show a couple of months ago, and he talked about the storyline. I love that he's just following through on this is a big, fun action. Every single issue out of the gate. I'm having a blast while reading this one, too. It's unbelievable. It's really a lot of fun. It's fast paced. It's action oriented, but also the art is amazeballs. You got a lot of fun, double spread stuff. It's great characters, great action. This is just really, really fun book. Yeah. Next up, WW84 number one, uh, which of course is World War 84. Uh, we skipped a couple in there, but that's all right. Number one, just kidding. It's Wonder Woman 84 number one. Uh, this is story. Right, wait. Yes. Hold on. Okay, story and art. A story by Anna uh, Abrota and Louise Simonson. Art by Brett Blevins. Um, this, I so I gotta I gotta say two things about this. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. First off, it's a tie-in to the movie. Yes. Which I am so excited for this movie, but obviously let's push it back until we can all go see it in theaters or whatever we need to do. So excited for this movie. And then was so excited for this comic book because it's a tie-in. And I'm like, okay, maybe it'll match the tone of what's going on. But then I got really disappointed and was like, God, I hope the movie is nothing like this. Because there is some really just lame character stuff. I mean, one of them is called Jazz and is like, you know, <laughs> just like chill jazz. Grown-ups never listen. Like, who wrote this? Like, what are you... Uh, Anna Obrotipa and Louise Simonson. Yeah, I know, but, like, really over-the-top kind of, like, I'm being a kid right now, and parents are lame, and and then the accents of the robbers, like, the stairs to the roof over that way. I'm like, wow. No I mean, editor I, I don't to be think like, I Hey, let's down tone on... this down a little bit. Make it a little bit more, like... Not, it seems a joke to me. Wow. I didn't like realize you'd like... be so negative about this. I, I thought this was just fine. I thought this was fine as like a movie tie-in comic. The big bubber to me was this idea that like, it's very clear that this machine is running, but certain parts of it are not working well. And what I mean by that is, as you mentioned, the movie was supposed to come out months ago then it was supposed to come out in i want to say october yeah uh and now it's being pushed to december it'll probably be pushed back again let's be honest um but this weekend i actually went to target which was a harrowing experience um How did you do that 
What? Uh, it was actually fine. Uh, we needed to get my kids shoes uh, and there was barely anybody there. So it was totally okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. I was very nervous about it. Uh, but walking through the toy aisle, they had Legos for Wonder Woman in 1984. And I was like, man, this is not coming out for months now. And you have the Legos already on the shelf. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this comic. And it's a real bummer to be like, they couldn't stop it. You know, the comics still needed to come out. The Legos still needed to come out, even though the movie has been pushed way, way back. And that made me weirdly sad, you know? Yeah. That's all. But that said, I thought the comic was fine. Like it is the sort of thing that if the movie was out or the movie was coming out next week, I think we'd read it and be like, yeah, it's cute. It's fine. I can't wait to see the movie as is, as the only thing we're getting for months and months, there's a lot more pressure on it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I do like this idea of putting Wonder Woman in a museum where she can tell stories about, like, She belongs in a museum. Fuck you. Uh, Telling stories about badass females throughout history, that's awesome. I fucking love that premise. I just, um, you know, I don't want, like, stereotypical, weird, uh, you know, kind of characters. We named the dog Diana. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you got your kids wonderful Wonder Woman shoes while you were at Target. Nah, they didn't want that. Uh, next up, Sea of Stars, number seven from Image Comics, written by Jason Aaron and Dennis Hallam, art by Stephen Green. Another really just good, solid issue of this book as a dad chases his son through the universe. Um, in this issue, the son finds out that his dad is alive. Uh, there's some mix ups there and some great action sec pieces involving a space. whale. what'd you think, Pete? This is just continues to be amazing. It's a, the art is really still in the show and the characters. These are so uh, fun and creative characters and really well drawn. Um, it's just kind of like the scary thing of like, you think losing your kid in a store is bad. Try losing your kid in space. Like, unbelievable uh, scenario and just really over-the-top fun. I Every issue has just been a real treat, and it continues continues to get better. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, let's move on to Marvel Zombies Resurrection number 2 from Marvel, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Leonard Kirk. We've really been enjoying this book, or at least the first issue and the... I don't know, preview, zero issue, whatever you want to call it, the issue that came before, uh, as Spider-Man takes Franklin and Valeria Richards to try to stop the zombie plague that has affected their universe. There's a great twist in this issue involving the phalanx and the robots of the Marvel Universe that I thought was so smart and so well done and amps up the danger in a really nice way. There's also a wonderful and sad scene with Viv, Vision's daughter. Uh, Another just very good, solid issue of this book. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Punisher. Yeah, what you think about forth. that, Pete? That, I mean, come on, yeah, fucking come on. But uh, this comic is great, even though I was like, oh man. But the Viv thing was no, just you so hard. Come for him. Come for Philip Kennedy Johnson. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Come for him. You tell him what he did <laughs> to your boy, the Punisher. He made a choice. He made a choice. It wasn't as upsetting <laughs> as you know, uh, Frankie Castle. But, um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting choice. You know? Falling's Castle? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, doesn't quite work as well. Doesn't yeah. roll off the tug. Really good book. 
excited to see how this potentially ties into the bigger story in the Marvel Universe that's being told. Uh, That should be very cool. Next up, Ascender, number 13, from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire and art by Dustin Wynn. Just, I don't know, every issue of this is good, the end. (laughs) I mean, it's hard, because it's like, it really is. Every issue is just like a painted, just unbelievable artistic feat. Uh, that is like watercolor and beautiful and amazing, but the, the the action, the storytelling, the connecting these ascender descender worlds, it's really impressive how big the story is, and it's it's great that Jeff Lemire has got to tell this giant story. And yeah, he has an amazing artist. I I cannot. I cannot believe how much it is tying into Descender at this point. I really thought it was going to be its own thing, but nope. It's basically the same story at this point. Uh, And every old character that we get back again is so exciting. Another one happens at the end of this issue. The cover of the next one promises a huge one is coming back. This is great. This is just a thrilling fantasy sci-fi mashup that I can't wait to read every month. Uh, yeah, and also I just wanted to say the like <laughs> driller hating playing hide and seek was just so nice. Great stuff. Love driller. In the middle of all this madness. So good. Uh, next up, one that I'm sure you liked, Pete. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number three from DC Comics, written by Jimmy Pamiati and Amanda Connor, art by Amanda Connor, as we talked about with the two previous issues. This is just classic Jimmy Pamiati and Amanda Connor on a Harley Quinn, except as raunchy as they want to be. And they want to be very raunchy, as usual. Uh, Harley Quinn has gotten one over the Joker, stolen the collective treasure of all the criminals in Gotham City, and they are coming for her this issue. The Birds of Prey, of course, kind of hate her, but are kind of uh, having her back at the same time. This is just so much fun to read. This is one of my favorite things coming out from Black Label. It's it's great, and it's also nice to see Alfred alive, and the Alfred Batman conversation about Harley Quinn being at the Wayne Manor is hysterical and really fun. Uh, it just feels like an extension of the animated uh, series, and I hear the voices of the characters from that, and it's real, especially Clayface, and the whole riddle with nails joke was hysterical. I mean, there. Those two are just a powerhouse couple, and they're killing it. It's it's just so much fun. Amanda Connor's art is so great, so enjoyable, so funny to read every time. And the amount of just the way that they buy jokes, like the beaver jokes, over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. But at the same time, they're still funny and stupid in the right way every single issue. And not just every single issue of this book, but like their entire run of Harley Quinn books. It's yeah. wild that it still works this far down the road, but it absolutely does. Yes, I just want to say why we're still in the DC world. Uh, I did uh, check out some that wasn't on the list, and I want to quickly talk the Ooh. Batman uh, Joker War Zone uh, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are wondering uh, about the Clown Hunter. And you do get the reveal of who the clown hunter is in that issue. So if you're, if that's, that was driving me crazy. If that was something that you wanted to go check out, uh, you do get to the bottom of that in that issue. So who is it? Who's clown hunter, Pete? Well, that's the fun thing is it's not like, oh my God, it's, you know what I mean? 
it's a kid who grew up in Gotham who says Batman could have saved his parents. And I was like, well, great. That's good enough for me. That makes sense. He figured out on. who Batman is? Well, he just sees Batman as Batman. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Fun stuff. Thanks for the surprise pick. Uh, moving on to Rogue Planet, number five from Oni Press, written by Cullen Bunn and illustrated by Andy McDonald. We've talked about every issue of this wild <laughs> space horror book. And uh, I believe this is the last one, which I was kind of surprised by. But we get some very, I thought, satisfying answers to all the bizarre, horrific weirdness that's, that's been the, going on to this planet. That's the thing. I was like, how are they going to tie in all this madness? Because it seemed like every issue was just, look at this crazier thing that's going on on this planet. Oh, you thought that was crazy. Check this out. And it just keep tightening. And then they really delivered on this issue. Uh, such a cool explanation, so moving, very, very cool and interesting. This book is worth it. Like, check this out, get it collected, whatever you want to do, you'll be happy you did. Uh, Rogue Planet is not only artistically amazing, but it's a great story. Yeah, and a little pluggy plug, we're actually going to have Cullen Bunn on our live show next month, uh, ostensibly to talk about Valiant comic stuff, uh, but I'm sure we will bring up Rogue Planet as well. Uh, but as Pete mentioned, it's coming out in trade. Definitely pick it up there. It's worth it. Uh, ties up really nicely. I was very happy and very surprised at how concretely everything made sense by Yeah, that. it was really impressive. There you go. Let's talk about another horror book, The Immortal Hulk, The Threshing Place, number one from Marvel, oh, wow. written by Jeff Lemire and art by Mike Del Mundo. Uh, this is, I believe, one of the first times somebody other than Al Ewing has written specifically an Immortal Hulk tale. We've had the Hulk pop up in other books at this point in the Immortal Hulk form, uh, but this is a one-off horror story set in this universe. And I love it. I wish they would do this forever. It feels like the the main book, and Pete, maybe this is part of what you responded to. I know you haven't loved the horror Hulk in general, but it really started off as these done-in-one, uh, almost Tales for the Crypt episodes, but starring the Hulk. And we very much got away from this for this uber story that Al Ewing has built, which is wild and insane. And I've been loving it a very different way. But this story gets back to basics here, where it's almost like the Hulk series, but through the lens of Immortal Hulk, where Bruce Banner is traveling around. He finds a weird gamma mystery. It's very dark. It's very sad. Uh, Mike Del Mundo's art is very evocative and Americana, while also not shying away from the horror elements. Just a really good one shot across the board. I was really, really, really impressed with this book. Jeff Lemire killed this. This was a very moving book, uh, still in this world of Al Ewing's kind of horror version, but just there was a lot of beauty and heart in this, where I feel like if you're telling a Hulk story, it's got to kind of have those things of like, what are we really doing here? What's really important? And the Hulk kind of like helping these people and like really uh, saving this kid was so beautiful. And the whole fact of like, at least you're not alone, kid. You have your father. It was just very touching, really well done. I'm so happy Jeff Lemire got to tell this one shot. 
um, and it still worked in the kind of bigger picture of what Al is doing. I was really impressed by this book, very moved by it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I know I kind of said this before, but I could read a million of these. I I hope that they just keep re- releasing Immortal Hulk one-shots from different perspectives with different uh, writer-artist teams. I don't know if they will, but that would be so much fun. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, last but not least, X-Ray Robot number two from Dark Horse Comics. Story and art by Michael Allred. Color art by Laura Allred. If you see the names of the cover, you know exactly yep. what you're getting into. It's a bunch of sci-fi psychedelic weirdness involving a robot who is sucking people through multiple dimensions. There's some really goofy shit that happens in this book <laughs> that is just bits in exactly the right way involving portals. Uh, it's much more slapstick, I think, than their usual books. Uh, but I had a fun time reading this. How'd you feel about it, Pete? Portal bits. I love it. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, it's this classic kind of like art forward kind of tripped out world. And I, I just think it's really kind of like in their sweet spot and it's a really great book. Uh, if you've enjoyed any of their stuff, you will really love this book. It's definitely really cool and really well done. I agree. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about your favorite comic books. Socially at Comic Book Live, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next week, that's it for the stack. <laughs>